I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, we are going to finish up this series on the creed, okay? And if you're new this morning, you're not familiar with where we've been, I'm going to explain a little bit, or if this is your first time here. You know what? Yeah, honestly, if this is the first time that you've ever really connected with the church, man, we're so glad you're here. And in fact, you're one of the reasons, like you, you are the primary reason that we actually started this church. We wanted people to experience a new kind of church, a, a different kind of church. We wanted people to connect with church again. In fact, I remember when we were starting this church a, a while back, man, there was a whole lot of discussions um, about the details, about what would happen and how it would all happen. And you know what? There should be. Should be a lot of discussions when it comes to starting churches, when it comes to maintaining churches, because the church is very important for us as believers. In fact, it's so important that the early church leaders actually put this in the Apostles' Creed. Okay, so we, before we go any further, let me just let me just—if you're new here, I kind of got off on a tangent about you're the reason we started this church, all that. But what we've been doing here for the past five weeks—this is the sixth and final week of the series—we've been diving into this Apostles' Creed. We've been walking through this ancient document that is recited each and every Sunday in churches all across this nation, all across the world, pretty much in every traditional Methodist church. If you grew up going to a Methodist church, and we are United Methodists, but if you grew up going to Methodist church, you may remember the whole, stand, the, the whole dance routine on Sunday morning, stand up and sit down and stand up and sit down. And, and in one of those stand-ups, you had to recite the Apostles' Creed, right? And so what we're doing is we don't do that every Sunday. But what we want to do is we want to study it. I want to study it and ask, like, why is it important? What does it mean for us as believers? And so, one of the things we've been doing is as we're going through this, we have been reciting this together, okay? So, what I want to do for one last time, for a little while, and who knows, we may do a series like this all over again, and we may recite the Apostles' Creed, but one last time this series, I want to invite you to stand, and we are going to affirm our faith together. So let's stand up. This will be on the screen. It's printed on your message notes, but let's affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, thank you. You can be seated. All right, let me give a little bit of a review of where we've been. All right, the first week we talked about why it's important to have things like creeds, why churches recite. It's important to understand what we believe because what you believe determines how you behave, right? What you hold on to in life. So first week we talked about uh, what we believe. Uh, weeks two, three, and four we talked about the Trinity. We talked about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the resurrection. We talked about eternal life. And today we're going to close us out with this particular phrase. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. All right, let's talk about this for a minute. Okay? 
Because just in case you missed week one, when I, I kind of talked about this Catholic church thing, like what is that all about? Why are we, are we pledging ourselves to the Catholic church, to the bishop, to the guy that wears the pointy hats, you know, those types of things. Like, are, are, what, what are we doing there? Like, what are we saying? What I need you to know is that this holy, I believe in the holy Catholic church, this is a little c and not a capital C. And what this represents is the church worldwide, the universal church, okay? We are pledging, you know, that we believe in, in one body represented all over this world. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ, what happens is, in that moment, you cross over into a new life. And you are adopted into the family of God. And you become part of his body. Part of the worldwide church of Christian believers. Now that explains the Catholic part. But what about this communion of saints. Like, what does that mean, the communion of saints? And what I need you to know is that this represents the local church. This is the worldwide church. This is the local church. And the reason I say that is because this word communion comes from the Greek word koinonia, which represents fellowship. It represents community. And any time that word was used in Scripture, it was always used to represent the local church church. Now this is so great and the reason this is important is because I may have millions and millions of sisters and brothers all over the world that are part of that larger church but I can't see them. I can't hug them. I, I can't get to know them. I can't rub elbows with them. I can't give them a fist bump but I can with you. In fact right now this is what makes the local church so great. Turn to your neighbor right now and give him a fist bump and say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to see you. Just tell him, I'm glad to see you here this morning. That's right. I'm glad you're here. See, this is what makes the local church so great. We can't do that on the worldwide, but we can do that together, right? This is what's so great. We're part of a local family connection of believers. In fact, these two churches... Or it represents really it's one church, but if we're talking about the worldwide church, the local church, this church idea is so important that God sent his son to give his life for the church. Right? That's how much Jesus loves his church. In fact, we were talking about this this morning in Ephesians in our Bible study that I have with a group of people on Sunday mornings. We said in Ephesians 5, we talked about marriage and this idea in Scripture that there is a marriage between Christ and his church. That's how much he loves the church. And he calls for us to sacrifice our lives for one another, which is what he did for the church. So, so this is so important. The church is so important to Christ that he gave his life. The church is so important, they understand this, that they put it in this creed so that we would remember the importance of the worldwide church, but also the local church. Jesus gave his life for the church, but he also uses the church. This is where it's so important that we need to remember who we are and why we're connected is because God uses the church to spread his message, right? To, to change the world around us. The church is so important. And y'all, it's good 
that they put this in here. It's good to recite this and be reminded. Because sometimes we need to remember how important church is, right? We do. Preacher, don't start stepping on toes. But we do need to remember why being together, right? While worshiping together, while serving one another is so important. So, let me pose this question. If the church is that important, Jesus died for it. Jesus uses the church to spread his message. The early church fathers realized this. We need to be reminded. If it is that important, then what does the church really need to look like? Like, what should it look like? And this is a question, going back to where I started, this is a question that we struggled with very early on when it came to the church. And honestly, starting a church is kind of like putting together a puzzle, And what I mean by that is when you start a church, you want to make sure that you have the right pieces that go together. Let me ask you, I've used, I've talked about this kind of illustration before. If if you've been here and you've heard this, then I apologize. If you're you're new, then welcome to the family. How many of you love putting together puzzles? Let me see, raise your hands. Yes, okay. How many of you are like me and you would rather do anything else in the world than put together a puzzle? Let me see. Okay, there are my people right there. I cannot stand puzzles I don't have the patience to look at all those pieces that, uh, that look all the same and try to figure out where they go. In fact, last Sunday, and this is, this is what, last Sunday we were talking about heaven and hell. My idea of, of Hades is just tables and tables and tables full of puzzles. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. That's, that's a place without the presence of God right there, okay? That's what I was talking about. And just when you're ready to put together a puzzle because you're there for eternity and you got nothing else to do, Satan comes around and he removes all the edge pieces. That's, that's what it's really like, people. Be afraid. I'm just teasing. I think that's in the King Jimmy version somewhere. But anyway, enough about that. Um, here's what I do know about puzzles. I've, I've only put together one or two in my life, but what I do know is that when you start a puzzle, you grab the box, right? You grab the box and you put the box up and you stare at the box because what you're trying to do is you're trying to to, to put together this picture, the picture that's in front of you. So when it comes to the right puzzle pieces for church, like where do we find that perfect picture to look at to make sure we're putting all the pieces in the right places? Well, luckily for us in the book of Acts, We have that perfect picture. And I want to share that with you today. It comes in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And then we're going to jump to Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32. So I'm going to read just a little bit here for you, and then we're going to break this down, okay? But let's grab hold of this picture of the church. Acts 2 says this. All the believers were devoted, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing meals including the Lord's Supper, which we just celebrated this morning, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Then in chapter 4. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. 
The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. So what do we see when we look at this perfect picture of the church? And what I see is this. I see a group of people that didn't just go to church one day a week, but they were the church seven days a week. You see, I I think there's two categories that we can sometimes place ourselves in. Those who go to church and those who are the church. Okay, let me say that again. I think we can place ourselves in one of two categories. Those people who go to church and those people who are the church. And this piece of scripture is a powerful picture of what it means to be the church. Not just to do church, not just to go to church, but to actually be the church here in the world. So let me spend a little bit of time, with the time I have left, let's grab a couple of these puzzle pieces of what made this church so great. Number one, if you got your message notes, you can pull those out and we'll fill in some blanks to get everybody online. They're on the app for you. Number one is unity. Unity. Chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, All the believers were united in heart and mind. What I love about this early church is you see them united. It's written that they were united. They were together and they were sharing and they were, they were eating. There is this awesome puzzle piece of unity with them. It's amazing sometimes to see the unity that's in the world around us. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing to me sometimes to see the unity that comes in sports. Now, I'm going to be very careful about any sports illustrations I use this morning, although I desperately want to, but I'm going to refrain. Maybe just a simple go dogs will do. And maybe some barking. Um, but besides that, I remember being at a sporting event one time and... Uh, just gathered there thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it's amazing sometimes how when we go to these sporting events, like, we don't have a child that plays on the team, you know. We, we, we don't have any stake in what's happening at all. And yet we are there and we are pouring ourselves into this game. And we are singing all the songs and we are making all the chants. And we are screaming so hard that your voice is a little rough today, which is what I'm experiencing today. But it's amazing how we get so excited about our teams. I remember one time being at a, at a game with all these people, and the guy sitting in front of me, of course, you know, it's, we're all united together rooting for this baseball um, game. And after every big hit, this guy, he, and I don't know why he chose me, but he turns around and he puts his hand up like this. And I was like, okay, all right, so we're high-fiving, all right? So I high-fived him. What I didn't know was that after every big play, he turned around and did this. And I was like, oh, dude, now you're getting annoying. You know, now I don't know what to do, you know, but I guess I'm high-fiving the entire game. So I'm high-fiving this guy until it got to a point where somebody hit a home run. And then when he did, I went up for the high-five, and he goes in, and he pats my tummy. And I was like, dude, too far. (laughs) Too far, bro. I don't know. Now i got to look for another seat. I don't know what, what I'm going to do now. Don't touch me. Anyway, but it's amazing to see like, how we're united by this team. Y'all, here's where I'm going with this. It's kind of weird to think about this much enthusiasm and this much dedication and this much commitment that we see in these other things. And we don't always see it with the church. 
We don't always see it when it comes to my commitment, my dedication, my enthusiasm for the church. And it's sad. It's sad when the world can paint a better picture of being united than the church can sometimes. In fact, when we were putting together this church, we wanted to reach people that didn't know Jesus Christ, right? We wanted to reach new people and bring them into the faith to have that transformed life that only comes from knowing and experiencing the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, to know God. And we wanted people to know that. But we also wanted people that felt like they weren't united with the church anymore. You you know what I'm talking about? Those people that feel like they were disconnected, that the church has been divided, that somehow they felt like they were distant from the church. We wanted them to be able to have a safe space, to fill that fellowship with us, to come in and realize you can unite right here with us. Because the fact is, we're better together. We're better together. Better together. And we want a place where everybody can belong. In fact, unity, unity is so powerful within the church that you know what the devil does? The way that he tries to get at the gospel of Christ is he tries to bring division. And we see this. And we see it happening all the time. Unity is important. And I think this is good to hear. I think this is good to remember. Right? Being able to count on one another. Understanding that the church is that important. Knowing that you're loved. Knowing that you're accepted. Knowing that you can be united with a fellow group of believers right here. You know, God wants to do amazing and mighty miracles. But He can only do those things and he can only move in powerful ways when we are united together. It's that important. So number one is unity. Number two, number two is transformation. Transformation. This is another important puzzle piece that made this church so great. I got two thoughts when it comes to transformation. The first thought goes along with this point where it says, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what this is is that the early church is this great and beautiful example of people who got out there and were inviting other people to come in and to be a part of the church. Right? I, I believe the perfect picture of the church is a group of people that are willing to do anything short of sin. Anything short of sin to reach other people for the name of Jesus Christ and, and to bring them in so they can experience that kind of transformation, so they can experience that kind of life change. I love this verse from Paul. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 9. I think I've got it. He says, I've become just about every sort of servant there can be. In my attempts to win people to a God-saved life. He's like, I have done everything. I become everything to everyone, short of sin. I do everything I can to share the gospel message with other people so they can know that their life can be transformed. Transformation is a big, a big piece of the church. That's what we offer. That's what we want people to know. But here's, here's... Here's the other thing I don't want us to forget. When it comes to transformation, we don't just get people to accept Jesus Christ and then that's it. It's not one and done. It's not just a get out of hell free card. 
That's not what this is all about. What this is all about, transformation, doesn't mean just just giving your life to Christ, but also being transformed into the image of Christ. Like we are moving forward. We are pressing onward to become more like the image of our heavenly Father. That's what we're after is we want a better life, not for just ourselves, but for the glory of God, for the one who gave his life for us, right? So that's what we want. We want transformation that comes when you accept Christ, but we also want the transformation that comes when I continue to walk forward in holiness. In fact, in fact, in the Methodist church, we believe in this, this, tricky, this tricky phrase that people get so tripped up on sometimes. We often say this. We talk about going on towards perfection. Going on towards perfection. What does that mean? Like, how do, do we honestly think that we're going to be perfected in this life? Like, are we honestly perfect people? No, we're not perfect people. But we're going on towards perfection. And you know why we're doing that? Do you know why we're trying to have that type of transformation in our life? Is because that's exactly what Jesus said. I've got news for you. Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says this. I love this. He says, be perfect Be perfect. Like who? Like your heavenly father. That's your example. That's the type of transformation we're looking for here is we want you to have a, we want that to be your goal. That you are moving forward. That you are trying your best. That through God's grace, you are trying to live a life that is set apart. That's different. That's holy. Because we want to be just like our Heavenly Father. It's a goal. That that type of transformation, that's what we're after. That's what the church should be after. The transformation that comes when the Spirit comes in and and you you invite them in for salvation, but also that transformation that is an ongoing process whereas we are being perfected more and more and more and more and more into the image of our Savior. Let me give you two ways that you can continue growing. Two ways that you can continue that transformation process. I got something for you to start doing. I got something for you to stop doing. Number one is start meeting. That's your next fill in the blank. Start meeting. And what I mean by that is meeting in a group. And this is what the early church did. This is part of that transformation process. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship They didn't just get there on Sunday mornings to get the teaching for the week, which is important. But they were also devoted to that fellowship that came by being involved in each other's life. Y'all, we're going to start new groups in the new year. We got all that coming. But let me just tell you, you don't have to wait for me. You know, if you want spiritual growth in your life, if you want to keep that transformation going, start your own group. Grab a group. Grab some friends. We'll help you. We'll help you get a study together that you can meet and you can study together. Let us know. We want to help. But this is important towards transformation. we got to get out of rows and into circles. Next time we offer groups, I hope that you'll jump in one. I hope you'll be willing to start one. The other thing we got to do is we got to stop minimizing sin. we got to stop minimizing sin in the church. Now, I know we're talking about perfection. And I know we're talking about being perfect. But none of us are perfect, right? I mean, that's important to remember. We're, we're going towards that goal. But if our desire, if our desire is transformation, if that's what the church is all about, then we've, we've got to know that when it comes to growing spiritually, we cannot embrace sin. We can't. 
We gotta fight against it as much as we possibly can. I think that we can all agree that one of the problems with the church today is that nothing separates it from the world around us. There's very little that's different between the church and the world. I read some statistics this past week that just blew my mind when it talks about how the church downplays sin and the percentages of people that are stuck in sin as compared to the rest of the world. You know, for instance, we know drunkenness is a sin. We know that pornography is wrong. We know that foul language is destructive. We know that sex outside of marriage is not God's plan. But so often, what we'll do is we'll take part in what displeases God and hurts our spiritual growth, and we'll justify it, and we'll say this. We'll say, it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. What does it matter? I'm doing all this other. I got a lot of bit over here, but this is just a little bit, right? Why, why does it even matter? I'm not hurting anything. You know, what, what if we use that rationale in other things in life? What if we use that rationale, there's that little bit when it comes to other things, saying, well, this won't hurt anything. Let me illustrate this with some coffee. I love coffee. How many of y'all love coffee? Let me see. Raise your hands. Yep. Okay. Good. We all love coffee. That's good. Um, now, Bob is the coffee man. I think Bob, I think he just came in. Is he? Yeah, there he is. All right, Bob. Bob, Bob's standing up. Listen, Bob fixes your coffee every Sunday. I think that we need to say, on the count of three, let's say thanks, Bob. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Thanks, Bob. Bob, thank What are you doing? Are you bringing me a snack? Look at this. <laughs> He's bringing me a cinnamon roll. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Bob fixes your coffee. He arrives early, and he makes sure there's coffee, donuts, cinnamon rolls, everything placed out for you. Now, we know that each and every Sunday. Now, what if I decided to help him, and I go back there, and I grab your coffee, and instead of you fixing your coffee, I ask you what you want in it. And so I grab your cup of coffee, and I take some, you want some... Um, you know, some milk, I put a little milk in there, maybe some sweetener, I put a little bit of sweetener, I'm fixing it, you tell me all these things, I'm fixing it just like you want it, and we're getting it ready to go, and then, just before I hand it to you, what if I take my coffee, and I do this, and then I gave it to you, how many of y'all did I just seriously gross out, like beyond... Like, you have no idea what I'm going to say next. You're gone for the entire sermon because I just did that. There is nobody that would take, you would think that was the grossest thing. You would tell your friends not to go to the ridge. The preacher spits in your coffee. That's just not right. And then I might look at you and say, but why? It's just a little bit. Might even make it sweeter. That was weird. <laughs> Sorry. I would venture to say, nobody in here would take it. You would say, a little bit ruins the whole thing. You see, I don't know a lot about cooking, but I do know that a little bit of habanero peppers can do a lot of bit in your meal and to your tummy. Um, I don't know a lot about a lot of things. I do know that in baseball, just one little error can ruin a game sometimes. I know that putting gas, diesel, 
in your gas car can ruin an engine. I know that there are a lot of things that when it comes to this, a little bit can ruin a lot. And when it comes to the church, when it comes to our individual lives, and when it comes to what we allow in, y'all, like what we allow into our lives and what we try to justify, it can be damaging. We have to be able to notice sin for what it is. And I believe this perfect picture of the church is one that wants me to bring people in to that transforming knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, but continuing that transformation that comes from trying to live a holy life that is being set apart, that is trying its best not to sin. It's not that we're sinless, it's that we're trying to sin less. Right, that's, that's where our goal is. That's the transformation we're looking for. And that's what the church should be about. So the church is united together for the transformation of the world. The church is looking for that transformation to happen in the lives of the people around them. And they're helping spur their on, them on towards more growth. And the third thing is the perfect picture is giving. The church is giving. Chapter 4, verse 33, it says this. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. A beautiful picture of the church is one that is supporting and it's serving together. It's when people realize that sharing what we have is so much more important than just hoarding everything in our lives, right? Let me give you three different examples here of how the church is called to give. One is prayer. One is prayer. The church needs your prayers. The church needs your prayers. Let me say that again. The church needs your prayers. We cannot downplay how significant prayers are in the life of a church. Y'all, the United Methodist Church needs your prayers. Pray for us. Y'all were there at the Ridge Rally. Those who were able to go, you know what's ahead of the United Methodist Church. Some of you were watching this past week, and you know what um, the elections that were being taken for the bishops. We currently are able to keep Bishop Graves, who's going to be our bishop over the South Alabama and South Georgia Conference, which is great. Pray for him. Pray for the church as we move forward. Pray for your local church. You know, I started praying for this church long before it was even started. I started praying that God would do what only God could do in the lives of people. And it's so amazing to see those prayers being answered in the lives of the people that are here at the Ridge. Pray for the church. Pray for the global church. Pray for the local church. Number two, tithe. Oh, man, here goes the preacher on money again. Sometimes we've got to be reminded why this is important. God has called us to worship him through our giving. And what I've noticed is when your heart is deep in something, your wallet's deep in it, Right? It amazes me. You know, you know that, that, that game that I won't talk too much about yesterday? Do you know how expensive those tickets were to go to that game? Lucky if you had your tickets early because that became like the greatest, the, the largest ticket ever for a regular season game. It's amazing how much we're willing to sacrifice and put in to the, these teams and everything else. We've got to take out a small loan somewhere just to go anywhere. But that's whatever, man. That's my team. I'm going to do it. My heart's in it. My wallet's in it. When it comes to our girls, kids are expensive. Can I get an amen? Yes. 
That's going to be the, that's a one amen I get this morning. Kids are, <laughs> I love it. Kids are expensive, but you know what? They have my heart, they got my wallet, right? That's just kind of how it goes. You want to know what has your heart? Right now, everybody pull out your phone, look at your bank account. Go ahead, pull it out, look at your bank account. And then when you have it open, show your neighbor. I'm just teasing, don't do that. I'm teasing. <laughs> I just freaked everybody out. But that'll tell you, that'll tell you where your heart lies. What if, what would happen if we were to put God first in this area? And then the last thing is serving, volunteering. We already called out Bob, thanked him for his coffee. He is here every Sunday, y'all, serving you. You know why he does it? It's because he gets joy from it. Because he knows what everybody who serves knows. They know that when you give is when you get, right? That's, that's when you get a blessing. That's when you get joy is when you're giving out and when you're serving other people. So we have people every Sunday that, that arrive early that set up. We got people that today that will stay, stay late. They'll tear down. We got people that hold kids. We, we got all these opportunities to serve. And the reason they do it is because of the joy it brings. Listen, that being said, you're needed. You're needed in this church. You, when it comes to the puzzle, you are an important piece of the puzzle. You make the picture happen for the Ridge Church, right? I have never seen a puzzle where a piece is missing, where the other piece is just kind of transformed and swallowed up that hole. That doesn't happen. You know what that means? Is that, mean, it, that means that if your piece is missing, something's not being done. The picture isn't full. We need you. The church needs you. You need to serve, and the reason you do is because of the joy that it brings. So let me close this out. We're looking at this perfect picture, this beautiful picture of the church, and what it looks like in Acts. And I believe that this picture happens when we just stop going to church and we start being the church. So let me ask you a personal question. How many of you, and you don't, don't raise your hands for this, but how many of you would admit that maybe... Just maybe you're going to church but not really being the church. How many of you would be convicted today to say, you know what, I've been going to church for too long. I need to take another step towards that transformation that the preacher's talking about that'll help me grow. What, 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 when you look inside, what is that next step for you? Maybe when it comes to unity, maybe you've been coming for a while and today you realize, you know what, I need to unite with this church and I want this to be my church family. We got Membership 101 coming up in December. We'd love to have you. There's a way for you to register. If you got that Connect card, just write 101 on the comment section, place it in the buckets out back, and we'll get, those to you. Uh, we'll, we'll get you some information, okay? You can also register on the app and online as well. When it comes to giving... If I can just step on some toes for just a minute. Some people in church, they take, but they don't give. What does that mean in our lives? What does that mean? Just think about all three of those areas, praying, tithing, or giving, and serving. Like maybe you're doing one, maybe you're doing two. Maybe there's that one that you're like, man, if I'm really after, if I want spiritual growth to happen, if I want more of a transformation, maybe one of those things I can start trying to live into. 
For others of us, maybe we've been coming to church, but becoming more like Jesus, we've never really jumped into a group. Maybe you start praying about how that group might form this next year. Maybe, maybe even the Spirit's leading it on your heart to start a group, to lead a group. Maybe for some of us, we've come to church, but we have no idea what this whole Jesus thing is. We've never heard the gospel. And this morning, you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe that's your next step, is to cross over from being of the world and cross over to being in the kingdom. I'd love to talk to you about that this morning. Maybe, last thing to think and consider, maybe you've been allowing a little bit in your life. Maybe you shouldn't. And maybe it's stopping you and preventing you from being the person God wants you to be or that transformation that God has in mind for your future. Maybe it's preventing you from really living into being a part of the church like you know you should be. Maybe today is a good day to give that over to Christ. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in and through the lives of the people here. God, I just pray that we would continue to be united together in ministry. God, I'm so thankful for this community. I pray, God, that that we wouldn't be known as a church that just goes to church, but that we would be known as a place that is the church, that becomes the church. God, that we would remember that we are better together. God, I also pray for life change for everybody in here, God, that we are all moving on. God, whatever that means for us, that we're moving on towards perfection because you have called us to be perfect like our Heavenly Father. God, that's what we want. Would you help us with that, please? Would you send your spirit like we were singing about this morning? Let your spirit fall on us and fill us and move us. God, so that we would become more like you. Whatever that means, God. If that means stopping something that's harming us, if that means getting into a group, if that means serving more, if that means giving more, if that means praying more, God, whatever we can do, God, push us, push us to take that next step so we can continue to move forward. And God, I just, I just pray for everybody in here that, that may have never given you their heart before, and today they want that transformation to happen. If that's you, just pray this with me and say, God, I pray that you would forgive my sins and come into my heart and change my life. And the best I know how, I'm gonna live for you. God, thank you. Thank you for anybody that may be in here or online that's prayed that with us this morning. And God, thank you for being with us and for helping us move forward as a church together to claim more ground for the kingdom of God. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.